We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. your boy Mike Fauci and I'm joined by uh, Mike what do I introduce him today do we say the lovely one do we say uh, what do we want to go with you guys know him as Alex Golden Alex how you doing today it feels good to be in this chair and hear you introduce me because usually I'm always the first voice on setting the pace so I thought man I really need to quit being selfish and let Fauci take over some of the hosting and and let me be kind of the co-host this time so you know, it feels good to be called the lovely one, and, you know, I don't get to hear that very often, so thank you for that. It's always nice getting the same love reciprocated. Hey, my pleasure. Well, I know that the season for the Pacers might be over, but it's not really over until Kevin Pritchard has his end-of-season presser. A lot was discussed today. Uh, always, always great to, you know, put a bow on the season, but it gets you more excited for what the Pacers might you know, focus Focus on this offseason. So, Alex, you tell me, where do you want to start from that press conference? I will I will just say this. Kevin Pritchard is a long-winded answerer when it comes to the questions. He will get on tangents and go down rabbit holes that I'm like, where, where is he going with this? And he always gives you some gems that you didn't expect. So Always. You know, and that's one thing I like about KP is he cannot contain himself when he's talking to the media because, you know, we, we think about why would he say this publicly to the press? Well. This end-of-season press conference, Fachi, is to the fan base. That's who's mostly going to be listening to this. Yes, you might have other GMs and stuff like that, but every everything that he said to us, like, they didn't say specifics or anything like that, but, you know, KP talking about how they want to attack the summer, how they want to attack the draft, free agency, that kind of stuff, that's all just, like, stuff to get the fan base excited about the future because I think when he said, I think Jeremiah Johnson basically said that you feel like you kind of achieved what you were hoping to get done in two years and one year, and he said, yes, their goal for next season is to make the playoffs. And I think 
that is really important for this for this fan base moving forward is to feel like okay we're not getting sold this message of hey we're going to be a fun young team support us through this tough stretch it's like no we've got ourselves um, a foundation that we've built and we believe that we can become a playoff team next year and they want to be in the top six he he publicly said you know, we can get in the play-in, but we really want to be in that top six. So I think that them avoiding the play-in is like the biggest goal possible for this offseason. Completely agree. I love how that vibe has totally changed. It, it, just like you mentioned, it's not about the, hey, guys, bear with us. It's that, no, look, he felt the Pacers could have been a top six team prior to Halliburton getting hurt. So that says a lot because we've all felt that, that it, it's nice to share that same vision going into next season. Uh, there was a few other takeaways, you know, throughout this that we'll get we'll get to, but it very much felt that the play of Tyrese Halliburton put us far ahead of where maybe they expected us to be uh, a, a, a year previously. So mm-hmm. that has me thinking, hey, you know what? We found the guy that can be the key to this all. This isn't going to be, you know, a two, three, four year rebuild. It's like what Tyree showed this year has laid that foundation for us to really go out and compete next year. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think everything has to start with Tyrese Halliburton Pacha because we know he is the face of the franchise. And I just I just loved how much Kevin Pritchard was, you know, giving him love in front of everybody. Because one of the things we heard Jeremiah Johnson say last week was that Tyrese, you know, made it a point. To, to go through and, you know, talk to every single person on the staff, not just mm-hmm. the players, not just the media, but like every single person, whether they were involved in cooking meals or whatever, you know, that's just who he is. And Pritchard was asked about, you know, his leadership styles and potentially an extension. And he, he didn't get into all that kind of stuff. He basically just said, Ty is going to be here a long time, looking forward to having him for the next a lot of years. And I thought, man, that just sounds so good. That feels like, this long-term commitment has been made and he raved about just how he's super empathetic and all this other stuff where he was comparing him to his father and said that his mom is like the team mom of the Pacers. And I love that all this stuff. And it's just like, not only is, is the organization, not just front office, the entire organization embracing Halliburton as the face, they're embracing his family as part of the team. And I think when you build a culture like this, it's going to be huge for the development of your team. And I think they did the same thing with Matherin at the beginning of the year. We saw where his mom and his sister came in and cooked him a a, a Haitian meal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, that's just like, okay, we haven't seen as much about that because obviously Matherin's still working his way up into that role as face of the franchise. But, you know, it's just to me, this is what you want to hear as a fan. It's like, okay, we've got our guy. We're going to build around him. We think he can be a part of how we build this team. And that to me is like, okay, I, I feel more excited about the team now after seeing what we saw this year than what I saw just in a couple of games at the end of last year because we really weren't sure how this was all going to play out. No, we weren't, but I want the Halliburtons to get real comfortable. You know, I, I love the fact that we're really playing this up as like, hey, they're not just his family, they're our family too. They're becoming, you know, like the parents of of the team and that's everything you want to say you know hey we're, we're we're keeping that that you know smaller market vibe we're making it you know a, a tight-knit group instead of like what it's like in brooklyn or 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 you know new york city you know for like madison square garden for the knicks or in, in the lakers where it's like 
There's so much going on there that, of course, the Lakers are big, but then the Clippers are even lost in the shuffle. You know, so it's just like in Indiana, we're really focusing that Tyrese Halliburton can be a star here. He could be happy here, and we want him involved. I felt like one of the great takeaways that I love from this was uh, KP said core decisions are going to be made by KP, Chad, Rick, Lloyd Pierce, and Tyrese. That is something that feels far different than previous years. I just do not remember Sabonis being involved in any decisions. I don't remember Paul George being involved. We've heard Paul George, you know, a bit disgruntled saying that he came to the Pacers saying, hey, there's, you know, there's a star that wants to come here and it didn't really work out. This sounds like it's really taking into effect what Halliburton wants. And I think that that is how you keep a star happy. And I feel like, Pacers are really learning from past experiences to be like, let's be, let's make him as involved as possible. So he has no reason at any point to be anything less than thrilled and 110% bought in here. And that I feel like is just grade a perfection on how you're handling this star compared to the previous. Yeah. And let me just go back a little bit because I think they probably learned a little bit from the Paul George experience on how to handle players, but you said Sabonis, and you know I'm a big Sabonis guy. I just don't think personality-wise he's the same level Not as, a, as a Tyrese or even a Paul George. But I, I will say when it comes to basketball knowledge, Sabonis is a smart guy, and he's a basketball you know junkie as well as Tyrese. But I think they're different type of junkies. Of course. When it comes to how much they analyze and study the game and stuff like that. like Not saying Sabonis doesn't do any of that, but Sabonis is more of a quiet reserve guy where Tyrese Halliburton, when he is not playing in the game, I mean, he is nonstop the whole time on the sideline. He's yelling at officials. He's yelling at teammates. He's getting excited. He's laughing at Buddy Hill making a dunk on a fast break. I mean, this guy is just all out. Where, you know, Sabonis is a little bit different. I think Paul's a little bit different. I just think that, like Pritchard said, Tyrese keeps everything light around here. And he's really helped establish the culture we want to have. So, you know, he said there is, you know, conflict within a locker room. But it doesn't always have to mean doesn't always mean that it's bad conflict. It means that it's good conflict. So I, I really was just blown away by the amount of praise that he got. But, you know, this is big right here, Fachi, him making a, a a pact, I guess you could say, with, you know, Chad Buchanan, Rick Carlisle, Lloyd Pierce, your two head coaches, you know, your head coach and your assistant head coach, and then your best player. You know, I just think that they know that Tyrese is the ticket to get players here as well. And he even said it. He's going to be our recruiter. I love People, it. He said players have told him they want to play here. That's what Pritchard said. I'm not saying that he told Tyrese that. He said that they've told him that. So, you know, if you want to get on your tinfoil hats and, and read in even more to what happened between the Raptors-Pacers game in Indiana where OG Ananobi was talking to Tyrese, read into it. I mean, Pritchard was selling you a, a bunch of goods here today if you're if you're excited about the Pacers. <laughs> Alex, trust me, I looked. I don't have a receipt. I bought and I can't return it. I'm all in here. I oh, got man. the hat on. The tinfoil hat is on. I am <laughs> all in. These press conferences, they get me jacked up because you even heard Pritchard. One of the, he always has a couple good quotes. He even said, I'm a little itchy as we have a unique <laughs> player in Tyrese who has maybe put us ahead of schedule. I mean, he talked about saying he's itchy. Also, he broke out the classic KP talking about we're going to be aggressive. You know, he he mentioned that they made big offers at the trade deadline. So all of that just shows that the Pacers, 
they're not going to take the step that they did a year ago where it's more like, okay, you know, maybe how do we, how do we get some contracts off the books or anything just to kind of, you know, save some money or anything. They, Hey, I know they also went for Aiden, which we talked about. That was a, an aggressive move. Didn't pay off. The big offers at the deadline didn't pay off, but it's just a matter of time before the Pacers can make it work. And as it relates to a big trade, we talked about it. This is one of the big takeaways from the press conference, maybe the takeaway. It said we have three first-round picks and two second-round picks. Quote, I don't want to bring in five new young kids into this organization Look, I don't think anyone expects the Pacers to use all five picks, but maybe he doesn't even want to bring in three. I don't know. It just feels like we're in agreement. It's too many young players to bring in. The Pacers are going to want to win, want to compete, and that makes me feel like anything can happen on draft night. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it will depend on where they land to in the draft lottery, Fachi, because if there's a guy they like that ends up you know, going ahead of them and where they pick at, Maybe they look at packaging that pick plus other stuff to get out of it. And I, I, I've always been a, a big believer in, hey, you get a top 10 pick, you don't trade that pick, right? Just because you like having that team control. And I think it depends on who you're trading for. But, you know, if, if you are being honest with yourself and saying, hey, we don't feel like the players in the range from 9 to 15 or whatever are, are really the guys that are going to lift us more than this player could lift us. And, and we believe that Tyrese has the ability to convince them to stay long-term if their contract's coming up in free agency or whatever, then I think you have to just trust the front office, trust Tyrese's conversations with this player that you're trying to trade for and trust that that's what's going to happen. But yeah, I think that there's a lot of interesting things here. And KP was asked by Tony East about having space. And he said that, yeah, we we do have a lot of space in terms of like cap space. And if you're looking at roster space now, there's only three unrestricted free agents that I'm aware mm -hmm. of, unless there's anybody else I'm missing besides Johnson Hill and, and O'Shea Brissett, right? So yep. that's where you're at there. And then you'll probably have one more two-way spot open up as I don't expect them to give Gabe York that two-way spot, similar to what they did last year. Uh, that'll be open as well. So we'll, we'll see what they do here. But when he talked about space, he goes, yes, we have – you know, quite a bit of space this offseason, but we also have the ability to create more space. And I I forget what he actually called it. I don't think it was like secret space. I, I feel bad because I forget the term that he used, but he used a specific space, a uh, specific word where he was describing space, almost like creative space. But uh, I think it was ghost space. I, I think that's what he said. We have ghost space, which is like, yeah, we, we might have 25 million coming into the, the summer, right? Free agency. But we could maybe trade Buddy Hield. He didn't say that, but I'm just throwing it out there. We could trade an expiring contract in McConnell, Daniel Tice, Buddy Hield, and now we've got 30 to 40 million in space. So I think that's what he was hinting at. And to me, it's like not not a not a huge commitment to Buddy Hield either on this one. And to your point on there, when asked about an early extension with Buddy Pritchard, they want to make sure there's a role for him that both parties are comfortable with. Said it may. Or may not happen, but he loves Buddy. You know, he did the classic covering covering all of his bases. But it basically, when he said, and there's always something in there. Like, I remember in the past, like, hey, Brogdon wasn't really mentioned that much at last year's press conference. I remember that. And it's like, well, Brogdon was traded. You know, things like that. So when you hear, want to make sure there's a role that both parties are comfortable with. 
I feel like we know that, hey, Buddy probably does want to be a starter, especially if it's not on a title contending team. So that's something that they really need to come to an agreement on of, hey, look, if you're coming back, this is the role that we have in mind for you. And I think that that's got to be prioritizing the growth of like a Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhard, those type of guys. And I mean... I don't know, even a guy like Aaron Neesmith, you want to be able to give time to develop as he's younger, cheaper, just things like that. But obviously, hey, we want to make sure that this is all run by Tyrese. You got to respect that relationship. Don't want to ruffle the feathers, but they have, you know, quite a few months to be able to figure out whatever that role may be. No, I think that's a great point. I mean, he did talk about Aaron Neesmith and the part that I listened to, because I wasn't able to listen to the full 45-minute conversation before we podcasted, so... I heard about 37 minutes of it, so I still have eight minutes left, and I and I was very thankful for do, for those who were at the uh, at the press conference that were tweeting out information. So thank you for giving us that. But one of the things he said about Buddy Hield is they were really talking about defense and and not just his role and what the team you know what his role is going to be on the team moving forward, which I think we all are pretty aware of what that's going to be, and that's what the last seven games look like for Buddy Hield, him playing off the bench and Matherin starting. He basically said that, you know, he wants Buddy to get into the playoffs because he's never been there before and that Buddy is one of the, you know, most friendliest guys you'll ever meet. He's friends with everybody. He has a great ethic in terms of his work ethic for basketball and he'll shoot around and get his own rebounds. Like he just loves the game so much. But one thing he did say is we know Buddy Hill's a great offensive player, but he's going to have to get better on the other end. And if he's, able to do that he said we challenge him if he's able to do that then we want him to be a part of this and he kind of left it open into there and i thought okay so basically like if they don't feel like buddy can improve defensively that could be a reason for moving off of him we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it could be. And this this team's got their work cut out on the defensive end. I mean, he talked about that that is that is a major emphasis is they need to improve defensively. Also even said Halliburton's got to he's got to improve defensively because he's got to lead by example. So mm-hmm. I think when you look at this roster up and down, they all need to improve defensively. I know, you know, everybody said, hey, look, Turner, like, you know, when's he going to make a defense player of the year? Like Turner, he's he still has ways to go. And he's one of our best defenders, if not the best. Aaron Neesmith really good on the ball defender he still has to improve he wants to be like an elite defender so i think this team has a long way to go defensively because alex you know what just totally got lost in the shuffle is the pacers announced this is the most points they've ever scored in a season before in franchise history Mm. and it wasn't even good to make the plan so think about that it's just like wow we had our best offensive season ever and it was a 35 win team so it just shows that everyone's got to buy in defensively, especially guys like Buddy and Tyrese, that we know how gifted they are on one side of the ball. But in this this era of the NBA, unfortunately, it's just not enough. No, I agree with that completely. I think defense is something that's going to have to be prioritized. You know, Kevin Pritchard kept saying organically, which means yep. the guys on the team are going to have to get better defensively, which we agree with. And that that comes from your young players and, and usually like he said they get an un, they get a disadvantage on the whistle because they're rookies they have to earn their stripes you know it's he said Nimhard was challenged with guarding lebron one night katie the next night and uh you know steph one night he's like he's just like what a what a challenge drew holiday so it's just like andrew Nimhard got to see a lot of the best players every single night and he was assigned that defensive uh assignment so that to me just speaks volumes to like, okay, they believe in them hard enough to give him those responsibilities early on in his career, but how is that going to help him moving forward? I think it's going to make him a smarter player. So, you know, defensively, that was that was a big takeaway as well. And the one of the things he did say is, you know, we have great numbers when it comes to blocking shots. He's like, you know, Miles and, and Isaiah feast at the rim at rim protection. He said, but I don't think that a team that is top in blocks means they're a good defensive team. He said that means that too often guys are getting to the rim. That kind of sounds like a little bit of a diss, but it's really not. I, I think that's more of a diss on the guys on the perimeter than it is the, the centers that are blocking shots. He's just basically saying, hey, look, we can't rely on them to be our, you know, our best part of our defense because they should be our last line of our defense. We need our guys like our buddies, like our Matherins, like, you know, like a Halliburton and Aaron Neesmith, those kind of guys to step up their perimeter defense and their point of attack defense. So that way there isn't such easy opportunities for these offensive players to just get to the basket and get there with ease. That's a great point because it's like in football, if your safeties and your, you know, your quarterbacks are making a lot of tackles, it means your defensive line isn't doing their job as much. So, yeah. So in that situation, I totally understand that it's just like blocks is not the, 
the end all stat, you know, to be to be judged by. But it obviously shows that hey, guys are you know getting past their their initial defender. So I think everyone's in agreement that the Patriots have been trying to emphasize defense for the last few years. I mean, remember with Bjorkren, they had the, the the belt, and it was like you know everyone was was going through that. And I think with Carlisle, basically they really emphasized uh, just defense for like first couple of weeks or whatever it may have been. They need to keep buying into that. And I know that in this era, it's harder than ever to play defense. 43 players averaged 20 or more this year, by far an NBA record. Scoring's up. It's it's crazy how now player teams could score 150 points in regulation, and we don't even we don't even blink. We're just like, oh, all right, yeah, whatever. You know, mm. some Warriors. Warriors scored 55 points the first quarter uh, the other day. Crazy. So the game's changed. The players need to be able to buy a defense because other than that, I mean, you could see the Pacers were the common team. They might score 130, but they lose because they gave up 140. So if yeah. we want to take that next step, it's majorly going to come on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and, and that's why I think when you look at the draft, you're going to have to look at guys that can help defend. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll have to dive into that a little bit more as you know the offseason continues because we're only in day two of the offseason and we're already so excited about so <laughs> yep. much that could happen. But you know, you talked about it earlier, Pritchard, um, talking about the five picks. Did you bring that up earlier? I did. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was saying. So, you know, we all knew this, like, and, and everybody is losing their mind, like we talked about yesterday. The five picks are assets. That's what it cost. And he talked about that when he was explaining why the picks are so important. He said, look, he said, go back and look at what Milwaukee did for Drew Holiday. He's like, they gave up like two picks for that or whatever it was. He said, if you wanted to go out and get Drew Holiday now, that's going to cost you five picks. He said, I don't like talking about other players and other teams, but I'm just giving it to you. A couple of years ago, you can get a Drew Holiday that can really impact your team like they did, like he did for the Bucks, for a few picks. But now you're going to have to give up a lot more. And so the Pacers having three picks in this year's draft that are in the first round and two second round picks, that is huge, Fachi, for how you go about building this team. Because I personally think they've got future assets as well that they could move. Because if they want to make the playoffs next year, how how cool is that pick that we have next season? Probably middle of the pack. Where we're just like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, probably in the sixteen to twenty-five range. If yeah. you know, we we trade Everything that, goes right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, but if we trade that, you're not that uh, upset about losing it. You're more upset about losing a lottery pick, right? So yes. that is where I think the Pacers can be a little bit more aggressive and say, hey, we believe if we go and make a trade for X player, that that X player can come in here and help us that much to get to the playoffs, especially with a, t- a healthy Tyrese Halliburton. Growth from your two rookies last year in Nimhard and, and Matherin. And of course, Miles Turner continuing to play at the level he's playing at. We feel like we can be a playoff team. That pick isn't as valuable to us. So that is why I think even if they don't trade their their number one pick that they get in this draft, the highest that it is, they can trade future picks. And if a player becomes available and they have to include, you know, future picks, I think you have to really consider it because we don't know how the offseason is going to shake out because Already today, we're finding out that Trey Young could or could not be moved this offseason. Like, isn't a playing game tonight? And we're talking about his future in Atlanta already. So, I, there's going to be a lot of craziness, I feel like, in this offseason because when is there not craziness in the NBA? Oh, the NBA is, is the craziest. I mean, there is always drama going on. Someone always wants out, blockbuster trades. It's just 
it's so much fun even to fantasize about. So I think that the Pacers are one of those teams that think about how many teams owe picks. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Nets owe a, a ton of picks. The Lakers owe a ton of picks. I mean, Dallas is clinging to their lives to hold on to their pick that they would have owed, you know, New York. So it's just, there's so much going on. The Pacers own their picks. All the first round picks are ours. So that is awesome to see because you talked about it. Those are assets. That's huge. Draft picks, I feel like, are like, you know, even second round picks. We saw what happened at the deadline. People were trading five second round picks at times for players. It's just great. So when you look at that Rockets pick, 32nd overall, some people look at it as chump change. That pick is extremely valuable. You know, there's going to be a ton of teams that would love that pick. So I, I think the Pacers have aligned themselves with that rare balance of cap space, draft cap capital, young players on favorable contracts, even players that have contracts that are expiring or, you know, there's there's like years that are not really any guaranteed money at all. So I, I love the position that they're in. Even the Turner extension that they signed was so team-friendly. It's like they did such a good job of giving us that flexibility that anything could happen if the right player becomes available. And I'd say that is everything that we've waited on when at times we've had to settle for, you know, a sign trade with Malcolm Brog and take a big swing over there. Hey, good player, but maybe lacking that all-star capability or, hey, we're going for Tyreek Evans and free agency. No, the Pacers have set themselves up for, hey, if there's a guy that can be had for picks, we got the picks for you. Mm-hmm. And, and the big thing to just keep remembering about why this offseason is so pivotal, and I'll probably say it at nauseum this entire offseason, and I, and I apologize for that, but I think I just want to hammer this point at everyone's head. Tyrese Halliburton's max extension, whatever that is. Now, some people don't think he'll get a max, but – uh, I think you're out of your mind if you don't. So there, Pritchard already said it. And I brought that up at the beginning of the podcast that he's going to be here a lot of years, right? So you don't have a lot of opportunity to go out and make big moves with the cap space you're going to have after this season because Halliburton is going from, you know, making what, $4 million Fachi this next season or whatever it is to making double digits probably in the 30s, right? So you're going to be paying him a lot of money and a lot of that salary cap is going to go to him. So while you have this available cap space, you got to take advantage of it. And I think that's the bottom line here with building this roster. Make your moves now while you have the flexibility so that way when you do extend Tyrese, you don't have to worry about, oh, what big name are we going to go out in free agency and get now because you won't have that opportunity with the money that you owe other people. So I'm sure there could be ways to finagle and get more cap space. There always is, but it's just when your best player is on that rookie deal, it is so beneficial for your team building. And that's why I think that's the, this is the season of the off season. I mean, the Pacers have to really go out and be as aggressive as, as they've ever been under the Pritchard era. Completely agree. Look, so Tyrese next year slated at $5.8 million, just a steal. He was just at 4.2 million. So, you know, you were spot on. Uh, and I think that you can't give him a penny less than the max. You you have to. Mm-hmm. This is our guy. Don't give him one reason to feel slighted by the Pacers in any way possible. So just get the deal done. Give him the most that you can give him. Keep him happy. This man will recruit. People want to play with him. He makes players better. He gets players paid. 
And last offseason was like a little bit of the teardown. It was like, all right, you know, what, what are we doing over here? Like, we got it, got to shed Brogdon. Okay, next we look at this. Like, okay, who's staying? Who's going? This is the year that we build. And it's a blessing in disguise because look, how much would DeAndre Ayton have really moved the needle this past year when you would have been, pay- you know, giving him a big contract? It all worked out. I think that now the Pacers are in a better spot where they could really go for it. And no, we're not expecting to win a championship next year, but we are expecting to be competitive. And now, to your point, is the time to do that when the contracts are so favorable? You got Turner at basically $21 million. You got Buddy Heald at basically $19 million. Then you're looking at like Daniel Tice at like nine million. You know, there's uh, TJ McConnell is like eight and change per year. So there, there's you have options to be able to really make some noise and bring some guys in. And and for that, man, it just feels like the options are endless. Yeah, I mean, and, and going back to the Aiden thing, it's really funny you say that because I was on the radio Friday with JMV. You know, uh, mm-hmm. great radio host that's been doing it for a long time and friend of the podcast, and he asked me. You know, looking back at it now, do you think the Pacers made the right deal with uh, Aiton uh, or taking, you know, Aiton going back to Phoenix and basically having Turner here now? And he also said, do you think Aiton wishes he was here in Indiana? And I said, well, I said, let me just put it this way. I think that they're both really good centers. I I think that you obviously want your center to be on the contract Miles is on. Anytime you pay a center – that is not an MVP level player on max contract. That's a lot of money. So people that were saying don't pay Aiden last year, you know, probably you were probably in the majority of being right. I would say uh, you were on the right side of that. Like even though I love Aiden and I and I thought it would have been a great fit with Halliburton, I, I think that you see, and I said this on the radio, I think that Aiden could have had an All Star level season with Halliburton as the point guard because of his ability to be a lob threat. His He's a decent rebounder. I think he has two more rebounds per game, maybe three than than Miles. I think he's about 10 rebounds a game with 18 points. So, you know, very similar in, in points and rebounds with those two and block shots. But, you know, Turner can stretch the floor, and that's something that we haven't really seen from Aiden. I think that maybe Carlisle tries to pull more out of that from him just because we know Carlisle really values a three-point shot. But, yeah, I, I said to myself on this, as I'm answering this question, I'm like, I don't want to discredit Miles, and I don't want to discredit Aiden by by anything I'm saying. So I think that they're both really comparable players in terms of like where you'd rank them center-wise now in the top 10. I think we had Miles at 12 last year. Mm -hmm. I think he's jumped up because of the improvement we saw. So, you know, overall, I think that this is the best move for the Pacers, and sometimes the deals that don't happen are the best ones that uh, benefit your team moving forward. And and Miles taking that team-friendly contract really does help. And honestly – this is good for the Pacers too because now Miles wanted to become a free agent in two years because that's when the salary cap is supposed to go up. So it makes sense for him to be able to get back on the market, get more money for himself, maybe find a new place if he's still not loving it here. Obviously, we'll see if his name is brought up in trade rumors again. I think that's something to monitor, but I don't expect that to be the case. I would be kind of disappointed if they do try to trade him after the season he had. But I think that when you look at the team building and everything, much better off with how things played out than had they given eight in the max. I I love where we're at. I really do. When you factor in the money, the difference in contract, there is just no way that that Aiton could be twice as good as Turner or anything of the sort based on the money that that he's making. Eventually, it'll you'll be looking at it and be like, wow, 
DeAndre Ayton's making almost $40 million a year. That's crazy. Right now, Turner being at about $20 million for the production that we're getting from him. You just got to be thrilled by it. So I'm happy the way things worked out. I was just in the same boat as you, man. It was so exciting last year when it really felt like it was going to happen. And you know what? Hey, everything worked out for that. I can't complain one bit. All right, Fachi. You want to wrap this up since you're the host today? Let's wrap it up. So, Alex, tell the people where they could find us on social media. Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. I'm at AlexGoldenNBA. My co-host is at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on TikTok and Facebook at SettingThePace. And Fachi, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. You can find us at youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast. We'll be uploading again. You know, we'll have some fun interviews coming up. Um, so we make sure you check that out. Make sure you, you know, throw us a little thumbs up over there. Comment if you like what you saw. But Alex, at the end of the day, if this presser today got you hyped up, then hit the people with these three words. Let's go Pacers. Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. The headlines remind us daily: the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com